Welcome to this edition of the Gateway Podcast. Thanks for connecting with us. To discover more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, gatewaychurch.org.nz. May this message be an encouragement to you. Hey, kia ora, everybody. My name is Dan, as, as Don has just said, and it's my privilege today to uh, talk to you about one of the parables and bring some encouragements about one of the parables of our Lord. Um, you know, I was reading uh, just the other week in the, in the book of Mark, actually, and um, something really cool popped out about the parables in, in my heart. And um, it talked about when Jesus was speaking to crowds of people, he would speak to them in these parables, in these stories, in these mysteries. And so people would be sitting there going, oh, I wonder what he means. I wonder what he means with that. But when he was, it went on to say when he was alone with his disciples in private, then he would start to explain the parables to them. And I thought that was such a cool thing. You know, we're coming to the start of the series at night about the parables. And it's such a cool thing that you're going to actually hear a lot of talk about the parables in the public, right? But it's actually in the secret place that the Lord wants to reveal things about his word and about these stories in greater depth. And so I want to encourage you as we start this series that just not to keep it here. Go home Spend time with the Lord in the secret place. All right? So, hey, would you pray with me before we um, get into this and we'll offer this time to the Lord, eh? Lord, we um, are so grateful for who you are. We bow our hearts before you, the maker of heaven and earth. And as we just celebrated in this season that you came as a little baby, you were so great. And yet you became so small to seek out our hearts as the saviour of the world. And this is all about you, Lord. We come to just say thank you for who you are in our lives. I just pray that you'd open our eyes, you'd open our ears, Lord, to what you want to speak, to to hear what you want to speak, to see what you want to see. Father, because without that, Holy Spirit, we're nothing. So we love you. We honour you with this time as our Lord and our King. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Cool. Hey, so the parable uh, that you're probably looking at what the name of the parable was before. You're like, I've never read that before. <laughs> the parable of the servant friends. Well, it's a different Bible you're reading, Dan. No, um, the parable I'm actually going to unpack today is called the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And I've named it the parable of the servant friends. Um, and I'll, I will go on to explain why I've called it, why I've called it that uh, later on. But it's in the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 20, verse 1 to 16. Uh, and Jesus says these words. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius. Now, a denarius is a full day's pay, okay? So it's a, a day's worth of pay for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the, in the morning... He went out and saw still others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, You also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, 
the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came, and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired first, oh, who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you so envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. You know, I have to admit, when I first felt the Lord lay this parable upon my heart to bring some encouragement, I understood the concept of the parable as a whole. You know, I understood that God gives freely to all people and gives salvation to all people equally to whoever will come to him at whatever point in their life. I understood that. But there was deep down in my own heart, and maybe some of us here today as well, deep down in my own heart, I actually also understood where the first hired workers were coming from. I understood it. I mean, they worked the whole day, and they'd got a day's pay, and then these people come in and work one hour, and they get a whole day's pay as well. I understood deep in my own heart. And so I, I went on to keep writing about, you know, God giving salvation to all people freely, whoever would come to him. And um, I felt the Lord stop me in my tracks and laid this, laid this little phrase on my heart. And he said, you're missing the point of the parable, son. And I was like, well, I don't want to miss the point of the parable. <laughs> I kind of, kind of want to bring some encouragement on this. So, Lord, what is the point? of the parable, so I just sat there for a little bit in silence, and I felt him lay these words on my heart. The point of the parable is not the wages, and it's not the money. It is the miracle that the master chose to hire each worker in the first place. It's the miracle that the master chose to hire each worker in the first place. When I heard that, I realized what this parable was really about. It was not about what each worker could get from the master. It was the privilege that each worker was given to serve the master. The privilege. And so I reread the parable in light of all of this. And there was no longer this like, little tension in me that's like, oh, I understand where they're coming from. Because the first hired workers, they had no purpose in the first place if it wasn't for the master. So instead of calling this message the parable of the workers in the vineyard, I decided to call this message the parable of the servant friends. Because as soon as we hear in our culture, in our day and age, work, all of a sudden our mind goes straight to doing something in order to get something, right? We hear work, we do something, we go to our day's work in order to get a pay. That's why a lot of us work in our culture. But that's not the point of this parable. It's about servanthood to the master. And also, you will notice in the parable that there is one particular part in the story where the workers who were hired first came to the master and started to complain. However, even with their self-centered and prideful accusation of these workers, of their, of their hearts, Jesus describes the master's first response to them with this phrase. 
I'm not being unfair to you, friend. He called them his friends. He had every right to say, get out of my vineyard. You have no right to be here. I'm not giving you a cent. And yet he called them his friends. Aren't you glad that that's how Jesus describes the master? He describes him as slow to anger and abounding in love. And that's how the Bible describes our Lord. It's so awesome. And so in light of all that, I thought I would um, bring a few points, just three points, about um, what servanthood looks like as a Christian in light of this parable. What does service actually look like as a Christ follower in our day and age? And firstly, I'd like to suggest that servanthood is selfless. It must be selfless, and it cannot be selfish. In a culture that is always trying to get somewhere and get something from other people, we have to be so intentional as Christians to live a lifestyle for Jesus that is not focused on ourselves, but on him and on others around us. And I know we hear a lot of this as Christians every day. And maybe a lot of us actually feel like, I'm not really self-centered in the way I live. I mean, Dan, I, I give my money to, to the church. I tithe my money, you know? And I, hey, I, I shout people lunches once a week. You know, I, I make sure that I do that. And I spend time with people who look a bit lonely. I, I wouldn't consider myself a self-centered person at all. But, you know, in saying those statements, we're making a mistake because selflessness is not determined on just what we do out here. It starts in here. It starts here with our heart posture before the Lord in prayer. And if it does not start there, then it cannot just be out here. The Lord looks at the heart, not just at outward appearances. When we read the response of the first workers in verse 12 of the parable, we can clearly see what their real motive was behind their serving. They say to the master in verse 12, These who were hired last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. And you have to understand here that these workers had most probably completed a lot of good things with the time that they had in that day. I'm sure that some of the tasks for the master, uh, that the master had given them, were done to perfection and in a manner worthy of respect in that time. They worked the whole day after all, right? However, when we read their response, we can clearly see the motivation behind their service. It was not for the master. It wasn't even for what the work that was to be done for the master. It was for what they could get from him, what they could get out of him. You know, this isn't something that's new for God's people, right? Back in the time of Moses... Uh, when God had just led his people out of Egypt, you remember that story, when God led the people out of, out of Egypt, out of their slavery, and into a promised land. That was his intention, to get them out of their bondage and into freedom. And he sent plagues. Remember, he sent plagues upon Egypt, and he parted the Red Sea so they could walk through, and he crashed it behind them on their enemies. And God's done all of that, and here we pick up on the story, just after this has happened. In Exodus chapter 16, verse 1 to 3, we read that the whole Israelite community set out for Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Grumbled. It sounds familiar, right? 
The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. So here we have God's people, Israel, who have just witnessed all the mighty miracles that the Lord had done for them. Remember parting the ocean, I mean a whole ocean parting for them to walk through. And so he could bring them into the promised land and free them from all their slavery. And here they are, grumbling about God's deliverance roughly one month after all of this has taken place. One month. And you may say to me, yeah, but Dan, how could a whole nation actually forget God after he's done those things for them? How do they forget him in that? And I'd like to suggest to you this conclusion. The Israelites were more focused on what God could do for them rather than who he was to them. They were more focused on what God could do for them rather than who he was to them. Their focus was not on the mighty love that the Lord had for them as a people, but rather on the things that they no longer had. Before you start to think to yourself, well, if God did these things for me, I don't think I would ever forget him and I would serve him faithfully for the rest of my days. Just remember that this passage and the whole Bible is intended to be a mirror of our own hearts. How many of us come into gatherings just like this every single week and we worship God and we lift our hands and say, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, and then we do it for things that we need. Lord, I just prayed, God, please just give me this. Lord, I need you in this. And then we forget actually what he's already given us in Christ. He's given us his son. And we become so focused on what, Lord, I need this in my life. I need this in my life. Look at our prayer times. Some of our prayer times is all focused on, Lord, God, bless me in this. Lord, I'm going to do this today. Please bless me in this. And we forget actually what he's already given us. And I'm not saying that asking him for things is wrong. No way. The Bible says to ask and you will receive. But I am saying if the motivation behind that asking is just for those things, and not actually for who he is and wonder of who he is, then it's not healthy. It's not healthy as a Christian. I think that sometimes it breaks God's heart to look upon some of his children today and see some of the self-centered nature of our hearts. Not only because, or not because he's necessarily angry at us, but because he is angry at what the selfishness is doing in our hearts when it is not brought into the light of his son. When we become Christians, we give up our lives to Jesus. We understand that, right? The Bible says in Galatians 2.20 that I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That doesn't mean you no longer go on living. Obviously, we still all have our lives, but it does mean you do not go on living for yourself in the way we live our lives. If you have surrendered your life to Jesus as your Lord and as your master, and you've given him everything, you're no longer living for yourself but for him, and no longer just for him but with him, and no longer just with him but in him, and guess what? He in you. Isn't that amazing? 
Now, we have three choices every single day when we wake up and we open our eyes to start a new day. We have three choices. We can either choose to look at ourselves and how we live our life and how we live our day, and then everything will be about me, myself, and I. The work that I do, the money that I spend, the leisure time that I use, it's all focused inward. Or secondly, we can worry about other people around us so much, and, oh, am I stepping on that person's toes, or, or am, I, am I offending this person with what I'm saying? that we become so insecure about others around us that there's no room for God or no room for anyone else. Or we can wake up and, as the Bible says in Hebrews, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And when you live your life in that, in light of who he is, and you're looking at him every single day, you can't help but live a selfless life because he's doing it in you. And that's the gospel. It's awesome. Secondly, so firstly, servanthood must be selfless. Secondly, servanthood can be simple. Now, there's nothing specified uh, in this parable that speaks specifically about what the hired servants actually did to tend the vineyard to serve the master. So you may be asking the question, Dan, what does serving God actually look like practically then? Do I have to do a certain something at a certain time in a specific way to actually... You know, offer a service to him, or else he like grabs my application and goes, "Oh, I accept or deny it of service." And I'd like to suggest that the Bible says that's not the way it should be. In Colossians three seventeen, it says, "Whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him." Whatever you do. In word or in deed. Often we think that serving God and other people has to be some complex or big thing, such as serving in a charity or going out on the streets to evangelize. And I'm not saying that those things are bad. It's obviously things that God uses as avenues for his spirit to work to the world out there. But that is not the only way you can serve. You are literally, as a Christian, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. You can walk down your street, go for a walk, and the light of Christ can be in you smiling at people around you. How cool is that? That's how simple service to the Lord can be. Jesus tells us in Matthew 10, 42, that if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. See how simple that is? A cup of cold water, a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus can be a service to God. You don't have to complicate your service for him or with him. It might not be a cup of cold water that somebody needs in your life, but it might be a smile. It might not be a cup of water that somebody needs in your life, but it might be a talk because your neighbor doesn't have a community Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do it all for the glory of the Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, just before lockdown last year, I, um, I, I, I literally two days before, you know, when it got announced, um, I, I did the big mistake of uh, going to the supermarket 
But I actually didn't, I don't think I actually knew like the lockdown was actually happening yet. So I was just going to do my like weekly shop and just walked into the supermarket and I was like, man, there must be a big sale on here at Packensat. Or something. And I was just walking through and then someone actually, I think, explained to me like, no, this has just happened. And I was like, oh, shivers, all right. Okay, well, I'll just keep doing my weekly shop. <laughs> anyway, I remember waiting in the, in the checkout queue for half an hour and um, waiting there for half an hour. It's interesting just listening to people's conversations. But one of the most interesting things about it for me was um, watching the, the, the lady. There was a lady at the checkout and she was you know, doing the beep, beep um, really, really fast. And I was just watching there. And these people were just like looking away from her, like, oh, yeah. just like, you know. And I, I was like, whoa, okay, this lady. And she was just like looking down, beep, 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 beep. That's 4742. Beep, beep, beep. And she kept going. I was like, man, this lady hasn't had a break. <laughs> anyway, it got to my turn. I remember she just kept going, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> and I said, I remember stopping and going, hello. And she looked up at me, hello. And she did a buffer, hello. And I was like, how are you? <laughs> and she said, I'm all right, thank you. And she said, you know what she said to me? She said, you know, you're the first person all day that's asked me how I am. And I was like, hmm. And we carried on, and we, we um, carried on talking, and she slowed down a little bit. Because <laughs> she was like, this is actually the person who's talking to me. And, and, um, and I went to power. I was about to leave, and she, I said, God bless you. We'll see you later. And she said, um, thank you. You've made my day. Service can be simple. Why do we complicate it so much so often? That's a service to God because that's letting the light of Jesus shine in me for other people to see. Just by saying what? Hello. So secondly, servanthood can be simple. And lastly, but certainly not least, this is the best, servanthood is love. You know, we spent a lot of time speaking about, at the start, those um, who were hired first in this parable, and rightly so, because Jesus seems to emphasize their response to the master and the master's response to them quite a bit. However, I now want to shift our attention to a character or characters in this parable that maybe we don't hear a lot about, the servants who were hired last. We read in verse 9 of the story, that the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. Now remember, a denarius is a full day's pay. You know, what I've often done uh, in this story after reading this verse is just skip on straight through and try and figure out what it is the Lord wants to tell me in the massive chunk of the parable. But after sitting on these words, I really felt the Lord stop me and say, just ponder what it would have been like for that worker who was hired last. And so I did. Can you just imagine that scenario? For, for a person like that who's worked one hour expecting to, to receive one hour of pay, to, to come for their pay and to receive a whole day and just to look up and to see the master just smiling and he says, I wanted to give it to you. Peace be with you. Can you imagine that scenario? Maybe if Jesus was to actually unpack one of those last hired workers' lives, we would read something like this. 
Then the worker who had no income and therefore no food to provide for their family came and received a denarius, a full day's pay. Or then the worker who was fighting hard just to make ends meet to care for their dying relative came and received a denarius, a full day's pay. Changes the story a bit, eh? Can you imagine what that would have looked like for someone like that to receive their pay from the master? A complete, selfless, and amazing act of love from a generous master to an undeserving worker. Can you imagine that? You know, I would like to suggest today that you don't actually have to look too far to imagine that for yourself in your own life. Maybe for you, yours would read something like this. Then you came to the master as the last hired worker with your addictions, and he gave you a full day's pay, undeserved grace, and freedom. Or, then you came to the master as the last hired worker with all your sin and your wrongs, and he gave you a full day's pay, undeserved forgiveness, for a debt that you could never repay. I know that for myself, mine would probably read something like this. Then I came to the master as the last hired worker with my broken life and my failures, expecting to receive nothing in return. And he gave me a full day's pay, a new life, and a new spirit within me. Don't you see? This parable is not about what we can get from God. It is about how much he is generously willing to give us. That's what it's about. Even to a bunch of undeserving children like us, every single one of us. To serve God faithfully, it has to be done out of a heart of love for him and a love for those you are serving. If we are not serving out of love, then I'd like to question whether we are really serving Christ at all. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3, you know the passage, If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clinging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Paul says here, That even if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, prophesy, can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, have faith strong enough to move a mountain, give everything that I have to the poor, and give over my body for hardship for the gospel of Christ, but don't have love, he says two things. I am nothing, and I gain nothing. Zip, zero. No love, nothing. These are all good things, right? We see these things from the outward, and we see them so good, prophesying and speaking in tongues of men and of angels, giving everything we have to the poor. But if it doesn't have love, Paul says it's useless. It is useless. And you might ask me, Dan, I want to love and serve the Lord and others sincerely with everything I have, but how do I do that? I've been trying to love him. I've been trying to love him, and then, and, but I feel like I'm just coming up against a brick wall. How do I actually do it? I'd like to suggest to you that it all starts with the wise words that John spoke through the power of the Holy Spirit in 1 John 4.19. He said these words, We love because 
He first loved us. Why do we love? Because he first loved you. You will never be able to truly love until you know that you were first loved. And you will never be able to truly love until you know your first love. And it's Christ. God genuinely loves each and every one of you deeply and sincerely more than you may ever know. And when you take the time to gaze again at the cross of Calvary and look up to the one who took your place and breathed his last so you could breathe your first, then you will know how to love because God is love. Servanthood is love. So servanthood is selfless. Servanthood can be simple and servanthood is love. So what does this all mean practically? I don't just want to say all these words today and for, have it, for you guys to you know, go into your head and not actually transfer into your heart and into the way that you live your lives, okay? It's so easy for that to happen. You just go out those doors and you just, you just think about all these things but don't actually change the way you live. It's so easy for that to happen. But I didn't want that to happen. So I'd like to suggest one simple thing to remember. If you don't remember anything else, remember this one thing. Spend time with the master. Spend time with the master. You know, C.S. Lewis says that God has an infinite attention to spare for each one of us. You are as much alone with him as if you were the only being that he ever created. Isn't that beautiful? A beautiful thought. You know, as I was preparing this, uh, as I was preparing this message, I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, what do you want to actually speak in this part, practicality. And so I just waited to see what he would say. And the only thing I heard him place on my spirit was this phrase, I miss them. I miss them. That's all I heard. You've got to understand, I didn't hear, I miss all of them, like all of them. I just heard, I miss them. And I think that meant, I miss some of them. I miss them. Maybe for you it's been weeks, months, or possibly even years since you've actually taken a decent chunk out of your time to be alone with your Savior Jesus. It might be a past hurt or a reoccurring wrong that has kept you from coming to him again. However, can I just assure you right now that neither of those things, nor anything else, the Bible says, can separate you from how much he loves you. The more you spend time with him in his word and in prayer, the more you actually get to know him for who he really is, and guess what? Who you really are in him. And that's where the change happens. Remember at the start where I said you're going to hear a lot of stuff like this, you know, like in the parables that this is in the series in the public, but it goes to the secret place. That's where it happens. That's where the change happens, where he does stuff on your life, in your heart. And you start to know who he is and who you are in him. Musicians, can you um, come up and uh, play some music, some worship? Hey, I was reading uh, through a couple of my, my granddad, he was, he was a pastor, and I was reading through a couple of my granddad's old sermons the other day, just over the Christmas break. And um, I came across a short illustration, literally a little paragraph, that I thought summed it up quite 
perfectly. Getting to know him and spending time with him in servanthood, where it all starts. And I thought I'd share that with you right now. It's called The Shepherd's Story. And it reads like this. One day in a community gathering, a visiting professional actor was asked to recite the 23rd Psalm, also known as the Shepherd's Psalm. He agreed on the condition that a much-respected church elder did likewise. The actor recited with artistic perfection and was warmly applauded. But then came the elder's turn. As he spoke, it was as if all of heaven and earth were hushed. And when he concluded, there was a period of silence, and the actor then slowly rose from his seat and sincerely said, Sir... I know the psalm, but you know the shepherd. Sir, I know the psalm, but you know the shepherd. Do you know the shepherd today? Or do you just know a lot about him? Do you know the shepherd today? Or have you just come to church for a long time and you've just ticked all the boxes, you go to your connect group? You do the things outwardly that look right, but you haven't actually spent time with him to know him. Can I encourage you today in this phrase? The Bible says today is the day of salvation, okay? That means today is the day for change. Today is the day to come back to the master. If you're pondering, oh yeah, but this is going on in my life, I'm not sure. Not, not tomorrow, not the next week. Today is the day of salvation. And all who come to him, he will never turn away. Whatever is on your heart, whatever is in your life, come back to the master. If that was you, that, he was, that he's placed that um, phrase on my heart, I miss them, then come back to him. Spend time with him because he's ready to spend it with you. And at the end of your life, when the day's work is all said and done and your, your work is complete, may we all live to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Or maybe even, well done, good and faithful friend. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are so grateful for your friendship. We're so grateful that you're the shepherd, you're the master who keeps pursuing us. And you highlight the parts of our heart that need to come into the light of your son. Father, we just spend this time worshipping you now and lifting our eyes to heaven where Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And we thank you that it is because of what you've done for us that, Lord, we can know how to truly serve and we can know how to truly live our lives as servants of the Master, Christ. Holy Spirit, would you enable us to do that? Would you give us a heart and a passion to do the work that you have set before us in servanthood and spending time with you, Lord? 
we just love you and we just want you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, gatewaychurch.org.nz.